0: I mentioned before that at Camp Highland, I got to study every day with the senior boys, high school seniors, and they asked me some of the best questions. Ted Krigler and I, one of our youth ministers, got to study with them, and they just asked us the best questions. And I won't forget one of the questions they asked, and it might have been the one that got asked most in the most kind of different ways, and what it boils down to is this. How do I hear from God? How do I actually hear from God? And I love that those guys are asking that question. I love it. Because they don't just want to know about God. They want to know God. Do you hear the difference there? They don't just want to talk to God. They're imagining a world in which they could talk with God. And that to them seems very different, and that is what they want. I had lunch a few days later with a young guy He's in his 20s, and he had just recently gone through a big relationship change. He was thinking about a career change, about going back to school, moving, relocating. And I asked him, I said, what do you think God wants you to do? And he looked at me and he said, how would you begin to know what God wants you to do? Does anybody resonate with that? Yeah. And so today I want to think about that. Uh, I want to think about that question, how do I hear from God? And I'm going to try to make the answer to that question as simple as I can make it. Now, here's the, the danger here. When you talk about something that's mysterious and glorious and you try to make it simple, you run the real danger of oversimplifying it, and I may do that today. But for your sakes, for my own sake, I am trying to understand something as mysterious as hearing from God as simply as I can. So to set this up, come with me to Acts chapter 16. Let me show you this scene here in Acts 16. This is Paul and his buddies. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia. That's where refrigerators were first made in Galatia. And um, well, how good was that dad joke? So good. So good. You're welcome. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Now, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and during the night, Paul had a vision. Of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. Why? Concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And I think what those senior guys are wanting is that kind of clarity. Do you understand? They want God to make it very clear to them what they should do and not do, where they should go and not go. Do you relate to that? I know I do. How would you hear from God like that? Before I answer that question, you really got to answer another question first, and that is, does God talk? Does God talk? And I think if you read Scripture, what you will discover is that God is the talker. That's also what we call my four-year-old, for the record. But if you read Scripture, I think what you will discover is that God has always been talking, was the first to talk, and is still talking. Let me bring you back to Genesis 1. Do you remember how God creates the whole world? Do you remember? How does he do it? He talks. He speaks. He speaks. And all of creation, therefore, is bound up in God's word, his talking. This is why Paul says in Romans 1 that all people are without excuse because God is still speaking through his creation. He's still talking to us. Okay, then in the rest of the Old Testament, that general speech of God through his creation gets much more specific. He speaks through prophets and dreams and visions and tablets, okay? But then John, in John chapter 1, makes something clear. He clarifies something for us. He says what God has always been saying is Jesus. That he has always been speaking through Jesus, the word in John 1, to us. And so what we see when Jesus arrives, Colossians 1, Hebrews 1 tell us this, is not only God's great love for us that he would send Jesus to us, but God's great desire to speak to us. Because Jesus is God talking to us, the word of God. And this is why people love him. Because they, like you and me, have always wanted to hear clearly from God and finally God is right in front of him or her talking to him or her. This is why the disciples love him. This is why they don't want him to leave. And then in John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus tells them, I am gonna leave. And they panic. Because this means they won't get to hear from God anymore, at least not clearly. And Jesus says this, and if you don't hear anything else today, I really want you to hear this. He says, no, this is actually better for you. This is actually better for your desire, your great desire that you would hear from God that I leave because I'm gonna give you something. What am I gonna give you? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to say to you what God the Father and I, Jesus the Son, Tell him to say to you. Look at this. This is John 16. Look at this with me. Jesus talking to his disciples. I have much more to say to you. You could spend your whole life dwelling on those eight words. I have much more to say to you, Jesus says. More than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it's from me, Jesus, that he, the Spirit, will receive what he will make known to you. Okay, what's this summary, this big picture summary of Scripture? God is the talker. God is still talking. And if you have his spirit, you are hearing from God. You are. Okay, your follow-up question should be, really? I am? What, what, what does he sound like? Uh, because I seem to have missed him. Uh, there's this great story in Daniel 5. And maybe you wish it was like this, because I know I do. King Belshazzar is sitting in his throne room, having a big party with all of his friends. And in the middle of the party, a giant floating hand flies into the room and begins to write a message to King Belshazzar on the wall. A message from God. Now, how many of you are willing to admit if a giant floating hand came into this room, you would be leaving this room? All right. I might be right behind you. How many of you are also willing to admit that as terrifying as that might be, you would love a word from God as clear as that, as undeniable as that? in relation to some situation in your life right now, I would love if God would make it that plain to me. Write it on the wall with a big hand. Okay, I think dreams, visions, uh, floating hands are all still possible. I just don't think that's normal. I think the reason those stories are recorded in Scripture is because they are abnormal, because they stick out. I think perhaps another story is more instructive about how we would hear from God if we're gonna hear from God today. And that stories of Elijah. This is in 1 Kings 19, you may remember this. Elijah goes, he's hiding from his enemies in a cave. He wants to hear from God and we read this. A great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and Elijah thinks surely God's gonna be in this dramatic thing, the wind. Shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And then after the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And that's how he hears from God. Does anybody remember how the King James Version translates the gentle whisper? You remember this, a still, small voice? I think if we're going to hear from God today it's much more likely to be a still small voice than something dramatic. Which doesn't mean that we cannot discern what God wants us to do. I told you this at the beginning of the Acts series. Now that was a long time ago, so I'll forgive you if you've forgotten it. But you may remember in Acts chapter one that the church does something to discern what God wants them to do that they never again do in the history of the church. They do something in Acts one that they never again do. What is it? They cast lots. You remember this? They roll the dice to see what God wants them to do. Why aren't we still rolling the dice? Because in Acts chapter two, we get what they did not have in Acts chapter one. What is it? The Holy Spirit. Which signals to us as we discern and follow what the early church does that you can perceive and discern God's voice. You can if you have the Holy Spirit. Okay, so again, how? What would that look like? Come with me here to 1 Corinthians 2. I think this is the most important passage as it relates to hearing God's voice. I'm going to try to explain it as simply as I can. And again, I may run the risk of oversimplifying it, but let me show it to you. Verse 7. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. In other words, what's he saying? All the people who killed Jesus did it because they could not understand what God was thinking. They couldn't hear from God. All right. However, as it's written, what no has seen what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, these are the things God has prepared for those who love him. The Spirit, the, sorry, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. I don't want to skip that. Okay, What does the Spirit do? Well, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except who? The Spirit of God. Well, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Why? So that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught us by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person with the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. Sorry, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and and can't understand them because they're discerned only through the Spirit. But the person with the Spirit makes judgment about all things. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgment for what no Who has known, sorry, the mind of the Lord, so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Okay, let me try to make it simple. Notice the emphasis on three words here. And if you're an underliner, you might underline them. you got three words, the mind, the thoughts, and the spirit. You have the human mind, the human thoughts, and the human spirit. And then you have another three things, God's mind, God's thoughts, God's spirit. The spirit produces thoughts which the mind captures. And the problem is, he says, that the human mind cannot possibly know what God is thinking because the human mind only has thoughts from the human spirit. This is why they killed the Lord of glory. They couldn't know what God was thinking because they didn't have his spirit. But then Paul says, but you... You who believe have his spirit now. And if you have his spirit, you can, in your mind, know his thoughts. So if I was going to put as simple, simply as I could for those senior guys, how do we hear God? I would put it like this. His thoughts in my mind through his spirit his thoughts, in my mind through his spirit. Now, this is what you should be thinking after you read that on the screen. And you're, you're mulling it over right now. This is what you're thinking. There is no way all my thoughts are from God. Anybody else think of that? Absolutely. Why is that? Because you still have a human spirit and you have evil spirits coming after you, Paul tells us. And this is why we're told to test the spirits and to discern if a thought in my mind is from God or not. So let me, this again, maybe one of the more important parts of this sermon. How do I know a thought in my mind is from God and not from elsewhere? Well, let me, let me leave you with these two things. There are two critical things that either spark and confirm a thought in my mind is from God or show and challenge that a thought in my mind is not from God. And those two things are the Word of God and the body of Christ. The Word of God and the body of Christ. Let me explain these. Let me start with the Word of God and let me tell you a story that's super embarrassing. I'm going to tell it anyways because the senior boys appreciated this story. Every morning during my prayer time, I follow a script every morning in my prayer time that um, kind of guides me through remembering to pray for certain things. One of the things I do every morning is a time of confession to God, where I revisit the day before. I think through waking up, making breakfast, going to work, coming home, being a dad, all the things. I think through my whole day, and I try to remember where did I fall short yesterday? Where did I sin? And I call those things to mind, and I spend a time in the morning confessing those things. The other day, a couple weeks ago, I go through that process thinking through the morning, afternoon, going to work, coming home, going to bed. And I think to myself, you know what? I don't think I sinned yesterday. (laughs) Uh, You know, when it comes to being a dad, I was awesome. As a husband, Lindsay could not ask for better than what she got yesterday man, she is so lucky is what I was thinking that morning. As a minister, I mean, they're probably going to give me a raise. I knocked it out of the park yesterday is what I was saying. I don't think I sinned yesterday. And then I am not kidding. I'm not kidding. I open my Bible and this is what I read. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I am not kidding right now. It gets better. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Praise God. But look at this. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. What's happening there? The word of God is showing and challenging that a thought in my mind is not from God. So I was like, okay, God, I hear you. And I went back and revisited the day and the days before, and I found things I hadn't intended to yet and turned those over to God. Well, let me show you how the Word of God might spark and confirm that a thought in your mind is from God. Okay, let's say you've been thinking about uh, John. John's a brother, maybe a friend, who you have been estranged from for a long time. Uh, something happened with John. You and John got crosswise. And you kind of blocked John out of your mind. You would kind of written him off. But for some reason, over the last few weeks, John had been coming to mind. And you have this feeling that you need to reconnect with John. And then you're reading what Jesus says in the Gospels about forgiveness, about not just forgiving once or seven times, but 70 times, 77 times. And you're thinking to yourself, I wonder if Jesus wants me to forgive John. Well, what do you think? What would the Word of God lead you to think about your thought? Or perhaps you've got something in your life, some sin that's untreated, and you, like me, convince yourself it's really not that big of a deal. And then you are reading God's Word, and you see the very sin that you have denied in your life named in God's Word, and you think to yourself, is He talking to me yeah yeah he probably is here's what i would say god will never say to you something that contradicts his word he will only say to you what will make specific and personal what he has already said generally in his word does that make sense when God speaks to us, what he does, and you've had this experience while you read God's word, he makes specific and personal what he has already said generally in his word, never contradicts it. Okay. So, the first thing that, that's important for discerning our thoughts is the word of God. Look what Hebrews says. Let me remind you of this the word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even the dividing soul and spirit. Look at this. Joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. J.B. Phillips was working on a translation of the New Testament Bible scholar. And while he's working with the Greek words, trying to figure out the order of putting them in, he said, and I love this image, he said, while I was doing that, I felt like an electrician working on the wiring of the house with the power still turned on. Don't you love that? He's putting some splicing some wires together and boom, it would shock him. And God would say something to him. That's how the word of God works in our lives. All right, secondly, and I need to move a little quickly here, the body of Christ is the other way that we affirm or challenge a thought in our mind is from God. The other day, for a couple weeks actually, this brother here at Highland kept coming to mind. I didn't know why he was coming to mind, he just kept coming to mind. Just kind of concerned about him. And then About a week later, Michelle Betts walks into my office and she says, hey, I really think you need to check on this guy, same guy. And then at Camp Highland, a few weeks after that, a counselor at Camp Highland comes up, this guy wasn't even at Camp Highland, comes up and says to me, hey, I've been thinking about this guy a lot and I'm just kind of worried about him. I think somebody needs to check on this guy. Have you ever had that experience where the body of Christ affirms that what you're thinking is probably from God. I did check on him. Turns out he was in crisis. Did you know that Paul and all of his missionary journeys never traveled alone? Never. When he and Barnabas get crosswise, he replaces Barnabas because he is not willing to travel alone. And if you relook at this passage right here in chapter 16 together they are discerning what God is saying to them. In fact, Paul has a vision from God and it says we concluded this was what God wanted us to do. What happened? Paul brought it to them and he's like, guys, I think this is what, Paul, what God is saying to us. What do y'all think? And they're like, yep, I think that's what God's saying to us. Right? Tertullian, he was this early church father. He famously said, famously said, one Christian is no Christian. One Christian is no Christian. There is this myth in the Western world. We might call it the Lone Ranger myth of faith. And that is that you can have a vibrant relationship with God on your own, by yourself. That's a myth. Even the Lone Ranger had silver and tanto, right? And if you are more lonely than the Lone Ranger, you are at great risk of never hearing from God or at least never clearly hearing from God. The body of Christ helps us discern the thoughts in our mind are from God. So uh, this is what I want to leave you with, okay? I believe we do hear from God, and we hear from God in our minds, in our thoughts, thoughts that he sparks in our minds. It is so critical as we reflect on our thoughts and discern them that we do so through God's word and in community with the body of Christ, okay? So important. But let me say this. I do not think the gospel of Jesus Christ would be good news if it did not include the promise you can actually have a relationship with God. I do not think the gospel of Jesus Christ would be good news for those senior boys, if the promise was Jesus has done great things for you and you will never hear from him, right? The full gospel is that Jesus has done great things for you because God desires you to know him, to be in relationship with him, and you can if you haven't given your life to Jesus in baptism, we can do that this morning. Come down and see me. And we pray over all of you that this might be a week where you would hear from the Lord. God, would you, by your Spirit, speak to each one here. Help us to know how close you are to us. We pray this, God, in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.